I want to talk to you today about something that I think is very, very important. And uh, Brother Kyle touched uh, on it today as he was teaching in our class. So if you were here today, uh, we thank you for being in Sunday school. But uh, it's amazing how God just kind of works things together. Uh, and I want, I want us to pray together and just ask the Lord uh, that he would touch our hearts. Now, his word is already anointed. His word is already anointed. He cannot go back on his word. In fact, uh, in the Lord's prayer, in the model prayer, he said uh, for us to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is. The will of God's already, it already is in heaven. We just need to pray that it happen here like he wills it in heaven. What is God's will for this service? Because whatever His will is, it already is in heaven. We must pray that it happens here. What does He want to do in this service? Turn to your neighbor and say, what does the Lord want to do for you today? I want you to think about that. I think it would move us to press on a little bit when we understand that God has a will for this service. And it may not be our will, but it's definitely something He wants to do. And I want him to have his way. So let's pray one more time. Lord, have your will in this place today. Lord, I thank you for the people of God that have gathered, those that have come to worship you, and those that's come to worship together today. Thank you, Lord, for your presence that is here. I pray you would have your way in the next few moments in this service. And everybody said in Jesus' name. I want to talk to you today about the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob. Would you say that with me? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Say it one more time. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God bless you. You may be seated. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now in the Old Testament, we find an interesting designation when God decides to identify Himself, when God says, this is, this is who I am, I think it's important to know who He is. And so, in that fact, instead of making up things that we think God is, I think it's very important that we begin where God begins to identify Himself. When He identifies Himself, I think, We ought to take that identification. I think if God says He is something, then we ought to believe that He is something. I believe when God says, this is who I am, I think we ought to take note of who He is. And one way He identifies Himself when He decides, and in fact, this title or this identification that God says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He mentions this specifically when he is going to secure a people and completely deliver them out of bondage and separate them to become a people of God, a people for God in a very unique way. In fact, I believe the church, that is the called out ones, the ecclesia of God represented in the New Testament here today, I believe God's desire is to have a people, 
a unique people. So this ought not to be a place where, uh, and I, I think it would be comfortable for, or okay for me to say as your pastor, that in a church service, I don't think we ought to get accustomed. I think there ought to be uniqueness in every service. In fact, I believe that this is one reason that God turned away from those children of Israel because they got accustomed to doing certain things a certain way and they, it became a ritual and a performance instead of a relationship with Almighty God. The things that were supposed to show them great things, they missed the point. So it is possible to go to church and miss the point. It is possible to do what you've always done and miss the point. It is possible to say amen and your mind be on the fried chicken you're fixing to eat. It's possible to raise your hands and be thinking about what happened at work last week. But the Lord is here because we are His people and He wants a people for Himself. I'm His. He is mine. I love that part. That it's not just salvation. He wants me to be his child. Somebody say amen. In a unique way. The Bible calls his people a peculiar people. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I knew you were peculiar. I think when worship's going on, there ought to be some peculiarities. I think there ought to be something that rises up in somebody and says, I've never seen it on this wise before. Somebody say amen. So God sets out to secure a people and he identifies himself this way in Exodus 3 in verse 6. He speaks to Moses and he says, Moreover, he said, I'm the God of thy father and I want you to know who I'm talking about. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Everybody say the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. A little later on, God sends Moses to the children of Israel. He not only sends him to Pharaoh and says, Tell that man that I'm the God that is. I am. But he identifies himself to Moses specifically. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when Moses goes and speaks to the children of Israel that are about to be called out of Egypt, he says it again in Exodus 3.15. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, and here it is again, the God, say it with me, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever. God says, I'm going to keep this title forever as a memorial to all generations. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This is my name that will be a memorial. Somebody say amen. So God identifies himself this way and he says, this is my name Forever. So why is it that he identifies himself this way? Interestingly, the Lord Jesus, when he is on the earth, he himself uses the same expression in a passage that occurs 
in each of the first three Gospels. I'm not going to read all three of them. I'll read one of them. Matthew 22, verse 31. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but he's the God of the living. Oh, aren't you glad for that today? Anybody alive today? Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So what is the significance to us? He is redeemed, those gathered here today. Paul instructs us that those things that are written in Scripture are written for our learning. So it's in there for a reason. We don't just skip over it, and I know we've heard this identification before, but I think, as Paul said, we need to investigate why God says, this is my name forever as a memorial to all generations. Here's something that is brought to our attention both in the Old and New Testaments. So that suggests that the Old and the New Covenants, that God is working in one way, in one identical principle. He doesn't move from one covenant to the other and totally change his modus operandi. He does not change the way he works. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we have this identification in the Old and in the New Testament. Evidently, God is up to something back there and right now that he's always been up to. And that is, God wants to have a people for himself. He wants me to be his and he to be mine. He wants nobody else owning me. Somebody say amen. So the God, the old God, the old covenant God appeared to Moses with the intention of calling Israel out of Egypt to become his chosen people. But now in the new, the resurrected Jesus actually is the nucleus, the first begotten of a new people. God spoke to Moses and said, I'm going to call out a people. And we know how that didn't work. But we know now in the new covenant, Jesus becomes the first begotten of the dead. The first fruit. Wow, that made a big impression, didn't it? Maybe it will. As I go a little further, those in the old covenant were called the children of Israel. Somebody say amen. And there appears an interesting verse in this regard of the children of Israel under the new covenant. Galatians 6 verse 15. For in Christ, everybody say in Christ, that nuclei, that that first fruit, that resurrected Lord who is an example of living a resurrected life. In Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision. What is that? That's Jews and Gentiles. It makes no difference what family you're born into. In Christ, it doesn't matter what color you are. In fact, there is no color in Jesus. So get off the color issue. In Jesus, there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are, but you are a new creature in Christ. 
Anybody glad you're a new creature in Christ? Verse 16, and as many as walk according to this rule, what is the rule? He just said it, that in Christ you're a new creature. Peace be on them and mercy and upon the, the Israel of God. Now he's not talking about Jews. He's talking about the church. He said the church is now the Israel of God. In other words, you are his people now. God does have a people and it's not people born of a certain race. It's people called out, born again of the water and of the spirit that are in Christ. Oh, anybody glad you know Jesus today? Hey, and let me just say to you, it's not only time to worship when they're singing. Okay, just so I want, I want to let that get out there. Luke 13, 28. How many know that if you're lost, it's going to be a bad deal? Yeah, now we like to quote this verse for people that are going to be lost. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But that's not, that's not the end of that verse. Look at this. When are you going to weep and gnash your teeth? When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you are thrust out. That says you're going to have a lot of regrets when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and everybody else in the kingdom and you're not there. So something ought to say to us that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are not special because they are special. They're special because God made them special. And anybody in the kingdom is going to be just like old Abraham, old Isaac, and old Jacob. And if you miss it, you're going to realize you shouldn't have missed it. You're going to regret it if Abraham gets there and you don't. You're going to regret it if Isaac gets there and you don't. I don't know about you, but I've made up my mind to be saved. I've made up my mind to be a part of his people. I've made up my mind to stay in the church. I've made up my mind to be the called out, peculiar people of God. No. I know this culture's going haywire. I understand that we look peculiar even more today than ever before. But don't worry, folks. Jesus is coming back in a peculiar way. Surely as we study the lives of these three significant men, we'll see something very special. If we're the Israel of God, and if we see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom and us thrust out, we will regret that. Then I think it's important we look at these three men today and see what every one of us should be as the Israel of God. God wanted a people. He wants you also. God's aim has not changed. Jesus was born, he died, was buried, and resurrected, and ascended on high to take out from among the nations a people for his namesake. Acts 15, 14, Simeon hath declared how God at first did visit the Gentiles. Why? Say it with me. To take out of them a people for his name. He's calling out a people for his name. 
The history of God's people begins with Abraham. And it begins there because God begins there. It's not the first person God talked to. We know Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But when God starts identifying a people, he doesn't start with Noah. He doesn't start with Adam. He starts with Abraham. In fact, this Chaldean, he was not a Jew, he was a Chaldean. There was no such thing as Jews. Abraham became, by the call of God, the first Jew. It wasn't a bloodline. It, in fact, it wasn't even connected to a country. Is anybody hearing me now? Yeah, you see, well, I came, Jean Jean is French. I've got a lot of, <laughs> my dad was Jean, my mother was Wiedner. That's French and German. Part of me wants to start fights. <laughs> and part of me wants to not have any part of a fight. We just want to love everybody and Fry french fries. So being a German has to do with a country of origination. Being French has to do with a country of origination. The children of Israel did not begin with a place of origination. It originated with a call from God. He called Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees. <laughs> oh, thank God. Now, I want you to know we're all Americans. We live in a great country, and the Bible tells us we ought to pray for those who are in rule and authority over us. So don't quit praying. Quit griping and start praying. <laughs> Boy, now there's a message for next Sunday. Quit griping and start praying. Pray for those, but we may be U.S. citizens. You may call yourself an American, but I want to tell you what, when you're born again of the water and the Spirit, you are a citizen of another country. Oh, yes. And it doesn't start with a piece of property. It starts with a call. I become what I never could be before. I become a part of a nation that doesn't exist on this earth. I become a part of a kingdom that doesn't exist here anywhere in this world. I worship a king that doesn't live in a white house or a palace. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. Oh, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord as I hurry. So an interesting point is God began with Abraham, yet he worked in the life of Isaac and Jacob. In other words, God does not possess that people until Jacob's history is completed. Jacob had 12 sons. Notice God didn't say, I'm the God of Abraham. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, when Jacob has those 12 sons, which become the 12 tribes of Israel, God then says, the delineation, the identification of who I am is complete. What these three men went through shows me how God deals with choosing a people. So it's almost as if God wants us to say, he is to me the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, Ishmael 
cannot call him that. Those that are not in covenant with God cannot say he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Ishmael could say he's the God of Abraham, but he cannot say Isaac because him and Isaac didn't get along too good. Esau could say he's the God of Abraham and Isaac, but Jacob, oh no, he's not, you know, he's a scoundrel. So only people in covenant can say he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So this is the way God identified himself. So I hurry. Let's look at these three men for just a minute. Abraham, the first example of a man chosen by God. The first example to us. And if he's the God of Abraham, we must understand how God deals with these men to choose his people. Anybody here a child of God? This is the way God deals with you also then. Everybody say Abraham. And in this story, we understand that God is the one who begins everything. No, I don't know if you heard that. If God is going to choose a people, if God is going to choose you, God is the one that initiates everything. Well, it looks like I need to explain it a little further, maybe. That means you didn't come to God, God came to you. That means if God hadn't started it, you'd still be out there lost in your mind and lost in your ways. If God hadn't come and moved on you, you would have never said, I need to get my life straight. Oh, you're not hearing me. If it had not been for the Lord, where would we be? This is why you ought to praise him today. This is why your heart ought to be full of thanksgiving. Because if it had not been for the Lord, you wouldn't be here today. That's the facts. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. I I want you to look at this. Now Joshua 24 tells us that Abraham did not have a beginning on his own. God took the initiative. Look at this. Joshua said to all the people, don't you ever forget, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in the old time. Now he begins to identify him. Even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. They served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. What is God saying? He's saying to his people, don't you ever forget that your father was an idolater, but I reached down and I got a hold of him. Don't you ever forget that Abraham was just like everybody else, but I reached down and got a hold of him and said, you're going to be mine. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You ought to thank God for the moment Jesus reached down and got a hold of you and said, no, I'm not going to let you be just like your neighbors. I'm going to have you for myself. According to his own will. Everybody say his own will. You recognize right now very quickly that Abraham was not chosen because he was good, godly, or righteous. 
God says himself, these fellows worshiped idols. Don't you ever forget that while you were yet in sin, Christ died for the ungodly. He loved you when you were full of idols. He loved you when you were snorting cocaine. He loved you when you were drinking to the bottom of that bottle. He loved you in spite of what you were doing. It is not his will that any should perish. This choice is not based on predestination. That means God does not individually predestinate who's going to be his child and who is not. He knows who's going to be his child and who is not. But the Bible says he's not willing that any... It is not his will that anybody perish. That means the call of God doesn't just go to those that he knows are going to respond. No, he calls all men... Everywhere. You know what that tells me? I don't care what you've done or how far you've run away from God. He's calling you to be his child today. Oh, what wonderful love. He's calling you to be his child. Well, clap your hands unto the Lord. Yes, he is. He's making you an offer today. Ephesians 1 verse 10 that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Everybody say in one. Both which are in heaven and which are on the earth even in him in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated How are we predestinated? Here it is. According to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Here's a verse right here that tells you Ephesians 1.11 explains the creation of mankind. When people say, are you telling me that God was talking to himself? Well, absolutely, because Ephesians 1.11 says he doesn't do anything until he counsels his own will. He doesn't ask angels. He doesn't ask other people. He doesn't say, now let us do this. No, he's counseling himself. Oh my, boy, that just... So when God says, let us make man, he's not taking a vote. He's saying, oh no, I've thought about this. I know all things. I'm the God before there ever was time and I will that I'm gonna make a man. So let us, who's us? God and his will. He, oh. Okay, anyway, there, there it is. It's not his will that any should perish. This is why I don't believe God's looking down here today and saying, okay, that guy's a rascal. He'll always be a rascal. I'm not going to waste my time on him. No, the Bible says he died for you while you were a rascal. If God didn't think you could be better, he wouldn't have included you. The Bible would have said Christ died for all those that were going to respond. No, the death of Christ was for every man. Why would Christ die for every man if the possibility was not there that every man would hear the call? 
So God does not say, well, there's a rascal, so I'm not going to move on him. No, in spite of what you're going to do, God says, I want every man to hear the call. I would that men everywhere repent. Anybody glad you heard the call one day? Abraham did not have Canaan as his Canaan land as his goal. The Bible says he went out not knowing whether he went. Blessed is the man who doesn't know. Thank you, Sister Christie, got it. Blessed is the woman who doesn't know. I want to tell you, when God calls you out, you have no idea where he's going to take you. And that's a blessed life. Man, if you would have told Lynn Bloom 24 years ago, she'd be dressed in her right mind sitting on the front row. She'd have probably said, "Uh uh-uh, ain't no way. No, I know who I am, and I'm this, and I'm that. But you know what? Abraham went out not knowing where he was going to end up. And you know what? If you're going to serve God, you don't come down here with conditions on God saying, okay, I'll serve you if you give me a big house, put my family back together, bring my kids home, and let me have a big boat with a big motor. No, you come to God saying, Lord, I don't know where you're going to take me. I don't know what you're going to do with me, but here I am. Hey, and I've come to give you some good news. The Lord will take you just like that. I said the Lord will take you just like that. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. I hurry. When we understand that everything originates and comes from God, we too, listen, everything originates and comes from God. That means I too do not have to know. I don't have to know. That's what Job says, isn't it? Chapter 21. When he says, man, I lost my kids, lost my possessions. I have no idea where God is. He says it. The first 10 verses. He said, I don't even know where God is in this situation. But he says, you know what? I don't need to know. He knows the way that I take. See, that's the beautiful thing when we recognize that everything starts with God. I don't have to need, I don't need to know where he's taken me. So Abraham learned that God was the father, the source of every blessing. Without him, there's nothing at all. Unless God does a thing, it's not gonna get done. If this church is gonna grow, it's not gonna be any other reason than God does it. That's it. If people are born again today of the spirit, it doesn't happen because we sing or jump or shout. It happens because God does it. And who you are right now is not because of what you've done. It's because of what the Lord has done. Oh, hallelujah. I am who I am by the grace of Jesus Christ. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. All right. Man. All right, that's Abraham. Abraham, idolater, sinner, not even thinking about God, and God says, oh no, uh-uh, no, you're gonna be mine. <laughs> the God of Abraham. Everybody say the God of Isaac. 
Isaac, the preeminent son, son, the miracle son, the son born to a woman who was not supposed to have any sons. Are you thinking about another son now? Who was born to a woman who it was impossible she was going to have any children? Who came not of the will of man? That son Isaac, he illustrates perfectly not only how God called out Abraham, but how God was in Christ. Galatians 4.29 But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born of the Spirit, even so it is now. Paul said in Galatians, as Ishmael persecuted Isaac, so it is that the flesh always persecutes the Spirit. And he likened it in the Old Testament. Ishmael was a child of the flesh and Isaac was a child of the Spirit. Somebody say amen. All right. Well, Galatians 3, 29, the first the chapter before that, he makes another statement. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Now, who was the seed of Abraham? It wasn't Ishmael. Who was it? It was Isaac. Everybody say Isaac. And the Bible tells us just as Jesus is an heir, so are we joint heirs. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Hey, wake up, folks. That's not just heaven. That's talking about authority. That's talking about power. That's talking about you being an overcomer. Where Jesus is, is where I can be. Wow. Wow. Impressive. <laughs> Abraham is distinguished by what he did. By what he did. Jacob is noticed for much suffering he passed through. But between these two stand Isaac, a very ordinary man. In fact, when you read Genesis, you don't, do not notice any great feature by which Isaac is distinguished. Abraham, the Bible says, was a very rich man. Not Isaac. You know why? Isaac only received an inheritance. His daddy was the rich one. He got it because he was a son. He did nothing for it and nothing he could do could bring it into being. He received an inheritance because he was a son. He didn't have to do anything for it. Or oh, is anybody hearing me now? What does that lesson of Isaac teach? Well, the lesson of Abraham tells us even though you're an idolater, you've messed up your life, God's calling you today. What does Isaac show us? It shows us that we have nothing which we have not been given. That Abraham shows us that we are chosen by a sovereign God. But Isaac shows us just because we answer the call and that alone we become everything he says we can be. No, you're not a loser. No, you're not an accident. No, you're not just a blip on the screen. You are a child of God. And you're a child of God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. 
that means I've got everything Jesus has. And if he has a cattle on a thousand hills, then I have a cattle on a thousand. Oh, you're not hearing me. Come on, don't you worry about your job. Don't you worry about your bank account. Don't you worry about the economy. God is the owner of all things. And he says, you're my child. And because you're my child, Paul asked us, what have you that you did not receive? I want to ask you that. What have you that you were not given? You tell me what you have that was yours when you got here. Nothing. You came into the world naked. You wouldn't even had a diaper on your rear end had a nurse not went and got a diaper and put it on your backside. You came in this world without a diaper. And you're going to leave this world without a diaper. Nothing you got came because of what you worked. No. You say, well, I worked for that. I bought. Oh, no. You wouldn't have the ability to buy it if God wouldn't have given you a job. You wouldn't have a house. You wouldn't have a car. You wouldn't have a boat. You wouldn't have a fishing pole if God hadn't given it to you. Oh, that's why I ought to praise. That's why I ought to praise him today because everything I have came from the hand of a loving father. I'm the God of Abraham and I'm the God of Isaac. You just be born in the kingdom and you're gonna have blessings and you're gonna have healing and you're gonna have wealth. Isaac was born into wealth. Remember that old song? They used, you know, the guy with the little guitar, him and his wife get up there, get up behind the microphone and they start singing. Well, I'm a poor rich man. Oh, I'm a poor rich man. Don't you really see it really happened to me? I'm a millionaire. Sound like them? Who wants to be a millionaire? Sounds like a good TV show. <laughs> I'm rich today. I'm blessed today. Why? Because I've been born of the water and of the spirit. My daddy died a drunk in his kitchen, lying on the floor in his own blood with nine liters empty bottles of scotch whiskey on the counter. But I'm not rich because my daddy left me something. I'm rich because Jesus gave me more than he... Oh. So I'm just gonna come to church and I'm gonna say, Lord, I don't have a right to be depressed. I don't have a right to be discouraged because you're the God of Isaac. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. I want you to think about this. He's the God of Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. He was an idolater and I called him. You're a sinner and he's calling you. He's not ashamed to be your God. But he's also the God of Isaac. He wants to supply every one of your needs. Think about it. These three men are so different even in their wives. Abraham, we don't know much about his wife. 
Study that. Study Sarah. She was his half-sister. Boy, look at that silence. No wonder Isaac was the way he was. <laughs> That's kind of freaky. No wonder God called him out. Look, buddy, any dude that will marry his half-sister needs God in his life. Boy, that's dangerous preaching right here in the country, isn't it? God called him. (laughs) Think about Jacob. Jacob bargained for everything in his life, even his wife. He he was moving stuff and and manipulating stuff. But Isaac... Think about Isaac. Think about Isaac. He never saw his wife. In fact, he didn't choose her. His daddy chose her for him. Dad chose her, sent for her, and paid the dowry for her. All Isaac did was wake up. Oh, I got a wife. Awesome. Dad says, I went and got you a wife. I paid for her, and here she is. So he's the God of Abraham that says, in spite of what you've done, I'm calling you to come talk with me. But he's also the God of Isaac that says, I know how to su- man, I know how to supply your need. I know what you need. I've already paid for it. <laughs> So I will not fret. I will not worry. God knows what I need and he's the provider. Somebody say amen. So all Isaac had to do was just show up. He's a son. And if a son, he's an heir. I want you to ask yourself who you are today. I'm a child of God. We're the sons of God, the Bible says. And if we are, we are joint heirs. Why are we struggling? Why are we fighting? Why are we going to bed worried? Why do we need pills for our anxiety? Why? He's the God of Isaac. All right, come on to the music. I'm closing. Jacob. Jacob. God of Abraham. That idolater that God said, oh no, I want you for me. The fact of the matter is, everybody in here is in here because God said, I want you for me. God of Isaac, yeah, not only do I want you for me, but now you're going to be my son. And if you're my son, you have everything that I have. The fact of the matter is... Brother Kyle spoke about it this morning. We are endued with power. We have everything the Word says we can have. Somebody say amen. But now it comes to the God of Jacob. And in Jacob, what we see, many can see that God is the source of everything. We can accept that we receive everything from God. Those things are easy to understand. Abraham, Isaac, we all can say amen. I was an idolater. He called me. I didn't have nothing. He gave me stuff. We see God easy there. But what about Jacob? Why is it that so many do not take the gift? 
We understand God calls us out even in spite of our sin. We recognize that in spite of all that, He gives us the offer to become, as John says, the sons of God. Why do people live below that privilege? Well, He's the God of Jacob. And in Jacob, we see natural ability, natural strength. It dominated It dominated Jacob. He twisted, bribed, and manipulated his way through life. He was a wheeler dealer. If there were any car lots in the wilderness, he was a used car salesman. I don't want to, well, there's good used car salesmen, and then there's those guys that, you know, one owner, yep, one owner, little old lady, she just drove it to the grocery store. You go on Carfax and you found out they dug that thing out of the river. Really? One owner. Speaking of granny driving it to the grocery store, may I be the wonderful privileged one to announce to you, we have new grannies and grandpappies here today. The Clonches, Jim Clonches, now Papa. I told Tracy, I said, I hope that doesn't bother you because when my grandchildren are born, you can call me what you want to call me. I don't care. I'll be Papa, Granny, Grandpa, Grandma, and these three are one. All right. Well, back to Jacob. Jacob twisted, bribed his way, sold his way, manipulated his way through life. The God that called his granddaddy Abraham who was an idolater. And the God who gave Isaac through no effort of his own everything he had. Isaac now, Jacob comes on the scene and we see him manipulating and twisting and pushing and shoving. In this we see that no teaching on victory. How many would love to be victorious? I want to be victorious. I'm going to come to the altar because I want victory. No doctrine of holiness. How many believe you ought to be holy? Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. No doctrine of holiness. No teaching on victory is complete. That doesn't deal radically with the strength of our human nature. We see here God's call to Abraham. He said, I'm calling you in spite of your sin. And God giving Isaac everything he possessed just because he was a son. We see Jacob now wrestling with his own human nature. And so it is. In this church today, people that have been called by the grace of God and given everything you've been given You still now want your own way. Manipulate. Push. Sell people out. Destroy people with your mouth. But he's the God of Jacob. Jacob was a clever man. Very clever. He cheated his own brother. Got to be clever to do that. Deceived his own dad. You got to be real clever to do that. Everybody okay? Have you ever thought while Isaac was laying there on that bed of blessing, 
And he says, come up here, come here. Stick your arms out. Stick your arms out. No, right toward me. Stick your arms out. And old Isaac's laying there on that bed and he's saying, huh, this, this is the arms of Esau. Hairy arm. I smell blood and dough urine. You smell like you've been deer hunting. These clothes, oh yeah, you got your hunting clothes on, yeah. This must be Esau, but something strange. I hear the voice of Jacob. Do you think for a minute that daddy was fooled? Oh, you got to be clever to fool your old man. That dude was clever. Jacob was clever. He devised a plan to cheat his own brother, deceive his dad, to relieve his own uncle of all his possessions, and all this had no place in the plan of God. And in Jacob, you know what we see? In Abraham, we see the call of God's grace to everybody. In Isaac, we see that you don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you. But in Jacob, we see the disciplinary work of the Holy Ghost in a person's life. Because the fact of the matter is, I can identify with Abraham. I was an idolater when he called me. As Isaac, I can understand. I don't, listen, this is the guy that the doctor told me and my wife you know, the possibilities there that we're going to have to do a hysterectomy. You're not going to have any kids. I know, you know, I've got twin daughters that just turned 28. I know, I know those children are the blessing from the Lord. I know what I have, I didn't get for myself. <laughs> I understand he's the God of Abraham and he's the God of Isaac, but Jacob, I recognize that even in Jacob, there's a struggle. No, I want to do it my way. I want to do what I want to do. And you're here today. Everything Jacob put his hand on went wrong, even from his very birth. When he was born, the Bible says he had his hand on the heel of his brother. Think about it. everything he touched went downhill. He wanted the birthright. What happened when he got it? He had to leave home because he stole it. He set his heart on Rachel. I, that's the woman I want. And you know what? When he raised the veil to kiss Leah, and they say, I now pronounce you husband and wife. And he raised the veil. There's old Leah. Bible calls her weak-eyed. Cross-eyed is the interpretation. He lifts the veil and there's cross-eyed Leah. Ah, you're mine. Everything he set out to do by himself, it came crashing down. What am I telling you? It's not enough for you to say, yep, God loves me even while I'm a sinner. And it's not enough for you to say, yep, if I believe on Jesus and I'm born again, I have everything Jesus says I can have. Even after you're born again. You can struggle, kick against a prick, so to speak. You can try to do things your own way and everything you touch can be destroyed. 
Yeah. He set out on a journey home with much wealth, much of which was gained by questionable means. Think about it. He'd stole from his own uncle, stole from his brother. Everything he had wasn't supposed to be his, just like you and I. He was misusing what he had, but he had to be prepared to give it all away to his brother Esau. You remember it. And here is the operation of the Holy Ghost. God's hand was in judgment on everything Jacob did while he was relying on himself. We need the Holy Ghost to take over this church. We need men and women full of the Holy Ghost in this church that say, no, it's not about what I think or my opinion or how I think things ought to be run or done. No, we need the Holy Ghost to take over all of our gifts. I've been given so much, but without the Holy Ghost operating in my life, there is the extreme extreme possibility that I'll miss you It's not by the wisdom of men that we live and move and have our being. In fact, sometimes suffering in our lives is brought on by our inability to allow God to do His work through the Holy Ghost in our lives. And I close with this. Jacob was on the eve of losing everything he had. The night before, he was about to lose everything he had. He had worked for 20 years. He was fixing to lose it all. His brother was going to take it and kill him in the process. That's what Esau said. When daddy dies, I'm going to kill you. Jacob knew it. That on this night was the last night he would have any possessions, any earthly goods. And Jacob is living the last night with his pockets full everything he'd worked for, everything he'd accumulated. He was devising a plan even now. On this last night, he's devising a plan to save his own skin, to be his own savior. Oh, you're not hearing me. God calls us even when we are sinners. He gives us by new birth a wonderful heritage. But even in that, we devise plans to save ourselves. But then, he met God. He met God, and what happened? Yep, they wrestled all night. What happened? He met God. And he came out lame the rest of his life. God had touched Jacob. Up to that day, he had been Jacob the manipulator. Jacob the supplanter. Jacob the cheater. But from that day on, he would be a prince. Israel would be his name. And God says, now you have power with God and men. This is the beginning of the kingdom. This is why Jesus would say, yep, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I'm not overstating the facts when I say 
that he was a different man from that day forward. He would have deceived others. He who had deceived others was now deceived by his own sons. They brought him a bloody coat and that old crafty manipulator Jacob would have easily seen through their deception. But a new Jacob? No, he's completely taken in. He just believes what they say. And this is the point to which all of God's chosen must come. Here it is. Genesis 32, 24. If God's called you even while you're yet a sinner and he's calling you right now. And God says to you, I'm going to make you my child. You can have everything I promised you. Here's where every chosen child of God has to get to. Genesis 32, 24. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Now I understand. Now I know. Yes, he called me when I was in sin. Yes, he said, all that I say is yours is yours. But the fact of the matter is, every step of the journey, I'm wrestling with a man. Every morning I get up, I have to say, not my will, but thy will be done. I have to wrestle, not so much with God, but with that old man Jacob. And say, no, you're not going to manipulate. You're not going to connive or cheat or steal anymore. Yeah, we may get along well enough in the dark, but God wants us to live in the light. And God wrestles with us all night long. I believe the morning is breaking. I believe the morning's coming. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? The day when the sun rises in his strength. I believe the Lord's coming soon. But you know what happens all through the night? There's a wrestling match that happens through the night. Maybe that's why the Bible says that it's not to the swiftest, but to the one that endures. Keep on wrestling. Keep on fighting. Keep that old man down where he should be. Don't ever get a hold of your own life. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord right now. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Abraham saw God as a father, the source of all things. Isaac received the inheritance as a son. It's a blessing to have gifts bestowed on us by God. So we know he's not only the source, he's the supply. He's not only the creator, he's the provider. Yet in all that blessing, you and I can be self-willed, self-interested self-centered and there must be a day in our experience it's not enough to be the God of Abraham and Isaac and a lot of people want to stop there and say yeah he loved me when I was a sinner and now I got everything he says no they fail to wrestle until their old life is over how many times have you come to the altar and said Lord give me victory Oh, talk in tongues, pray. Oh, I need to pray in the Spirit. I need to pray through again. No, you know what? 
Maybe you need to understand that He's the God of Jacob. That says, when I get through with you here, you'll never be the same again. Maybe that's why Lester Halterman back there, he could tell you today, if I'd give him this microphone, he would say, you know what? The moment I wrestled with God that night, I never took another drink and I never needed another drink. Maybe that's why Frank Moore, who's gone on to be with the Lord, would testify and tell you, you know what? When I got up from the altar, I never wanted another cigarette the rest of my life. How does that happen? When you wrestle with God and God says, I'm not leaving you the way I found you. Yeah, I called you and yeah, look at everything I'm fixing to give you, but I'm not going to let you leave here until I lame you until you don't ever walk again the way change my life Lord God is not expecting to find anybody here today who's naturally born good a lot of good people here but good people don't count when we start talking about God because there's none good but God he knows all too well that a good man cannot be found God chooses ordinary people like you and me who are willing to receive what He says can be theirs. God chooses ordinary people who are willing to submit to the discipline of the Holy Ghost in order that the gift of grace not be abused. Now you didn't hear what I just said. I said God chooses people that are willing to submit to the discipline of the Holy Ghost in order that grace not become disgrace. I want to tell you right now, the reason I don't walk half naked into Walmart is because I don't want to turn grace into disgrace. The Holy Ghost has disciplined my life. I don't want any shit to show anybody my six pack. They don't need to see my six pack. I don't have one anyway. That's good. The discipline of the Holy Ghost says, no, you're not your own anymore. That's pride. That's arrogance. And people say, oh, you're just trying to be saved. No, you're missing the point. The Holy Ghost says, don't walk like that. Don't act like that. Don't tell that joke. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And I'm glad he is. Oh, come on, clap your hands one more time unto the Lord. I'm not good. I wasn't good when he found me. I don't deserve what he gave me. And I must walk in the Spirit so that I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Or I will turn grace that called me. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found and you know what? I'm going to act like it. Abraham shows the purpose of God in his choice of us, all of us. God's not willing that you perish, sir. God doesn't will that you be lost, sister. 
Isaac shows the life of God made available to all of us in Jesus Christ. He's the God of Isaac. He shows me what I can be. Last but not least, Jacob shows me the ways of God and how the Holy Spirit handles me to protect and expand what I've received. The Holy Ghost wants to go with me today and say, oh no, you can't say that. I know you want to run them off the road and then get out of your car and go get in their window and put your finger in their nose. But the Holy Ghost is there to protect. Protect what I've received as a son. Listen. This is why saints of God, young people, young adults, this is why we don't believe sexual perversion, fornication, adultery, you just name it. Sexual perversion is not the will of God. That's the, way, that's the way Abrahams live. But that's not the way sons live. You know why? Because the Holy God, that's not the way Jacob lives. Israel is now a prince. You are now a prince. And the Holy Ghost is protecting what you've been given. So I can't offer it to the cheapest bidder. I can't go to the street corner and sell it like it's mine. No, the Holy Ghost is in me to protect what I've been given as a son. Oh, I don't know about you, but I think every one of us need the Holy Ghost today. I think every one of us need to walk in the Spirit today. Come on, would you stand and let's praise the Lord right now. Come on, would you praise the Lord right now?